Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, Boo. Hi. Um, what is your favorite story about me? Like, from before I was born, mm-hmm. or just any story? From before you were born. Okay. <sighs> the first one that comes to mind is the story about how you cried at your 16th birthday party. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> My favorite. Stand up, fussing, and fighting. Hi, I'm Nolika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. Um, today, I'm joined by my new friend, Danny McLean. Say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. And I'm just like, well, we like to start the podcast with one word to describe how you're feeling right now. So what is one word to describe how you're feeling right now? Well, I'm going to say patient. And it's more of like an aspirational thing. <laughs> like I'm not actually feeling patient, but I really like to be cultivating patience. Um, okay. Yeah, I've had a kind of overwhelming morning, so I'm trying to go easy on myself and others right now. Mm-hmm. Like compassionate. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. Yeah, like that's you're feeling right. Patient and compassionate. I am feeling. You know, like I too don't have like a particular word for it, but like. After you like do something and you're like catching your breath, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like that or that feeling like after you've been like heaving, crying, like all the things Mm -hmm. and like you kind of come down and you can still like feel it like it's not gone, but you're in a, you're like, you're, you're, you're like, you're rest, like you're coming down to rest. Mm -hmm. Almost like it likens like when the, when the plane gets to like cruising altitude you know like you're like we did a big i did a big thing right. and now we're like um so yeah i don't know exactly what the word for that would be but um there's an awareness mm-hmm. i would say like i'm very um i'm feeling very aware <laughs> you know of like my body and um everything else so interesting the energy we're bringing to this conversation today about archiving and um i've been thinking a lot and really excited to talk to you about uh how i i don't know how i tell my story you know like for my children for my descendants for the world um and like through archives and also how important it is to hold on to like to share our stories and to share our like stuff that like tells it in other ways you know like tells our story in other ways than like words Mm -hmm. and so um start let's start danny by you telling the people um about yourself well first i just want to thank you nalika for having me on the show it's um i love this show it's been so there have been times when it's just been such a lifeline for me like such a Mm an oasis, like a place where I can just go and rest in the conversations that you, that you host. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really honored to be among the people that you have conversations with because it's, there's nothing else like it. And there have been times in my life, like when I was thinking on kindergarten for my daughter, where I like really thought about some conversations that you had hosted on here Mm -hmm. and like, they really played a part in my decision-making. So, um, okay. So, so thank you. That's, I mean, don't get me started. Deeply. I already told you, I, I, I'm, I, I've, I've cried a lot in the last 24 hours. So they're me close. Too, it's close. Sis, it's close. Too. It's close. So I guess that's what we might be doing here. Thank yeah. you so much for saying that. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my name is Danny and um, I'm a writer and I'm a journalist. Um, I, in 2012, started covering reproductive justice organizing. Um, And I got a fellowship to cover the way that the fellowship was framed was for me to cover reproductive rights. 
Um, and I had reporting, I had like a good amount of reporting experience by that time. I had worked in newspapers. I had covered schools at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I had interned on the Metro desk at the Miami Herald. I had gone to journalism school. I had freelanced for many years, uh, for, um, alternative weekly papers in Cincinnati and New York. And, um, and so when I got this fellowship to support my independent journalism, I was like, okay, how am I going to work this? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to kind of conceptualize this beat? And what I figured out as I started, you know, cultivating sources and learning about the field was that what really interested me in the kind of world of reproductive rights, reproductive health and reproductive justice was reproductive justice. Um, specifically, you know, kind of broadening the frame beyond just abortion and contraception, not just how do we not get pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Um, how do we not carry our pregnancies to term, but also when we decide to parent and what does it mean to parent? What does it mean to parent as, um, historically oppressed people? What does it mean to parent as, you know, people who in many cases, our children aren't really meant to survive and thrive. And so, I, I learned that there were people who had been doing the work of organizing around um, these issues for many years, many decades. Um, and I started hearing, especially from black women, about their work in reproductive justice organizing. And so that's the kind of the way that I went about my reporting, the focus that I brought to my reporting over a period of some years. And that led to me writing a book called We Live for the We, The Political Power of Black Motherhood. Uh, which came out in 2019 from Bold Type Books. And it's a memoir about my own pregnancy and, and um, the birth of my first child, Isabel, who was born in 2016. And it's a mix of our experience, my experience, and also it was an incredible opportunity to interview organizers, activists who were working mostly in Black liberation, reproductive justice organizing, but really across across a lot of different fields um, about how they went about parenting themselves. Cause I realized mm -hmm. I had been talking to these people like about their campaigns, about their work with various like organizations, but many of them were also parents. And I, I had never asked them like, how do you bring your politics and your values into your parenting? And so the book is really my effort to capture the conversations that I had when I was, you know, at the beginning of my own journey as a parent. Mm -hmm. So Isabel is now five. So we're a few steps further on our, mm -hmm. on our journey together. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a journalist. I'm an author. I'm a mother. I'm a caregiver. Um, I'm an only child who helps care for my mom who had a stroke about a year ago. And those are some of my identities. Yay. Um, <laughs> Tell us about Isabella. Mm. She is pretty amazing. Um, what's up with her? <laughs> Let's see. What's she into today? Because I'm like, any mm -hmm. given day is like, okay, what is she? What is she giving us today? Um, she is very, she has a, she's very verbal. She loves language. I could tell that about her early on, that she was going to be someone who, had a kind of facility with language and words. She is very joyful and bubbly and extroverted. And she loves to put on a show. She is very, um, she likes to entertain, you know, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. been, that's been just, a, it's been good for me to watch that development in the past five mm -hmm. years like okay here's someone who really takes a lot of pleasure in entertaining and making people laugh and drawing conversation out of people um and asking a lot of questions and really getting to the why of things i think you know all children are known you know are like once once kids hit that toddler age you hear the why 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 but i think for her, I think it's going to be a lifelong devotion to inquiry. You know, I think she's mm. really devoted to understanding. What's your favorite thing to talk to her about? Oh, my gosh. You know, I always ask her in the mornings what she's dreamed about. And because I, I really have a rich dream life, and it's very important to me. And I've cultivated it over time. Like, I write down my dreams so that I can get to deeper levels of meaning because I think that they're very important. 
And so I always ask her about her dreams and she is not yet at a stage where she's remembering a ton of them yet, but I hope that we're starting a practice. Well, I hope I'm like inviting her into taking her dreams seriously because I think she will get to a point where just being, having been asked for so long what they were might kind of prompt her toward remembering them better. Gosh, I love to talk to her. We talk a lot about music. She's got a really interesting sense of music. Like she can really, um, trying to think of an example, like she almost has like a musicologist ear or something. Like she can hear the strains of, she can hear like references in music, you know, like she'll be like, like maybe we'll, maybe we'll be listening to Alice Smith and she'll be like, is that Nina Simone? And it will be on a phrase that sounds particularly Nina Simone-esque. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, like she'll say mm-hmm. something, she'll, she, you know, she hears the similarities like across time and across even genre of music. Um, so yeah. So I like to, I mean, honestly, I, I feel really blessed. I mean, maybe all parents or, you know, lovers of young ones feel like this, but I really got a child who I love talking to and love spending time with. I think she's just fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. I mean, I, yeah, all of that. Oh, my gosh. You're making me just think about the conversation. Like, yeah, the stuff that we get to, like, the meaty stuff we get to talk to, with, like, talk about with our children mm-hmm. when you talk with them. That sounds, that all sounds so rich. And, like, yeah, that you birthed somebody who you get to like, like engage with mm-hmm. in ways that you like to engage. It's yeah. like a gift, a gift you gave yourself. So um, we have got to have this conversation before, like we've talked before about this idea of archiving. And something that came up and I was thinking about is this idea of like, what is precious? Like what is important? What is precious um, to us and to children. And so I asked you to do a recollection and we do recollections so that we can, well, first of all, give reverence to young people, ourselves as young people, and also so that we can like relate. Um, And because, yeah, I just think often we're thinking about ourselves as adults when we're trying to make decisions or communicate with our young person versus like, like, how did you think about that when you were five? You know, mm-hmm. like, how did you think about mm-hmm. that when you were 12? And so I asked you to think of a story of something that was really precious to you um, or an experience of, like, something that is precious. And so um, can you share your story with us, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, in thinking over your question, um, have been remembering a doll that I had when I was little. My mom gave this doll to me I think my mom says I was six months when I got this doll her name is Emma and um she's a little uh little black baby plastic head um black hair you know old school like painted on hair not real hair oh Um, wow (laughs) I can find the doll and like hold her up right now for you to see because well that's I'm getting to that part of the story so um, she's got a cloth brown body and, but yeah, little plastic legs and she's supposed to be, you know, like a little infant baby. Her eyes, she's got those eyelids that, um, the eyes open and close and, you know, eyelashes. And so Emma was, um, very precious to me. I, she was my baby, you know, I slept with her. I remember at one point her, Emma's, um, thumb broke off. And you would have thought an actual family member had an injury. Like I lost it when, when, when my baby's, um, thumb broke off. And when I went away to college, I don't, I probably didn't like sleep with the doll when I was in high school, but I definitely had her around. But then when I went away to college, I put her away someplace, you know, my mom's house. And then when I had Isabel, I think my mom found Emma and gave her, like reintroduce the doll to Isabel. And so now, I mean, I'm, we're recording this. I'm in, I'm in my daughter's bedroom. I, the, I think the doll is like somewhere at the foot of her bed. Um, but it's been really sweet to pass on that particular doll to my child. And, you know, I don't think that she has the same relationship with the doll. Like 
Emma was my homie. Like she was not getting out of my sight. I think there are other stuffies, you know, stuffed animals and toys that, um, yeah. In fact, I know my, my daughter has a doll named Rose who is much more precious to her. You know, she was Rose, Rose is Isabel's Emma. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, that was, that was something that was really precious to me that I just, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Had a lot of care, (laughs) a lot of care for Well, it's so crazy when she's like that you tell the story because I thought about it for myself and my precious, the most precious, precious thing to me was um, my stuffed animal that I called Madge. And sometime, maybe you remember this, when I was a kid, they had like these wrinkle doll, like dogs. They were like wrinkle stuffed animal, Ooh. like dogs. And they like came out uh, the summer, like the Christmas time when I was about like eight or ten, like somewhere in that age group. And it was like, my child was a doll that came out that time. It was like, like this, like they were black. They had uh, every race color represented but they had like soft soft skin and then also these like stuffed dogs that were like the size of a dog they all had on these like dresses and these long flappy hair and you could put your hand (laughs) in their head and like make them talk and my um i think it was eight i think that christmas my mother got me the my child doll and my dad my father had got me the wrinkle stuffed animal and for probably so many reasons that I could unpack now, that stuffed animal was everything to me. Mm-hmm. And I did take it to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, actually, it actually did make, I slept with it every night. It was on like on my bed. I actually did take it to college. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it definitely, it was so important to me that I had like this ex-boyfriend and he, whenever, like he just got, he he was like it was not a healthy relationship, but he got upset with me and like took it and like threw it out or something. Oh, I was, no. fe- I mean, I, I I was it was like one of those moments like oh really this isn't this is this is bad. Um, but I found her back and to the point where she, and we've moved in my adult life. I must have moved at least ten times. Madge is in my closet right now. <laughs> when I went back to uh, New York, the last, I was like, let me go bring my child. And it's similar when I. As I got older and I had my own children, I had this romanticizing of like, I'm going to give them this Madge doll and they are going to just love her the way I loved her because she, of course, and I, it's mom. And I gave, (laughs) I given, I put it with their, like their stuffed animals and I kind of like, like kind of keep forcing it into their space. And then one day my I came into my bedroom and Madge was like sitting on my bed. <laughs> and my dog and my dog, my own daughter was like, um, it's your it's your stuffed animal mom. I put it wow. on your bed for you. And I was like, thank you. And it's true. It's like so interesting what you're saying because they all have things that are precious to them. Like like it's not like they're not into stuff. They all have their like their precious, precious thing. It's just not my thing. And so Today, I'm like, as we're having this conversation about archiving, like, I guess that's like my first question, right? Like, what have you chosen or and are you choosing, I guess, even before you you became a parent to hold on to? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> let, me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you why this question is so funny in this moment. Um, okay. So I... Um, about a year ago, my daughter and I moved from our apartment into my mom's house. Cause like I said, my mom had a health crisis and, and we needed to be closer to her so I could help care for her. Okay. So the house that my mom lives in is, um, also the house that I grew up in. It's the house that she grew up in. It's been in our family for a long time. So in order to move in here, I had to, um, put a lot of my things in storage, a lot of my things and my daughter's things in storage. And, I also had to move some things out of here into storage just so we could all like fit comfortably. Mm -hmm. So just last week I got a call from the storage company, the storage unit place that was like, Oh, Hey, did you move out? And I was like, no, girl, listen, listen. That's why this question is like right on time. (laughs) Oh, hi. Did you move out? You didn't let us know that you moved out. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, well, aren't you unit such and such? Yes. Well, it's empty and the lock is gone. I, felt a wave of prickly fear 
move through my entire body. And I just Mm. could not even comprehend. I mean, the first thing that my mind went to was I've kept every journal since I was seven, you know, I was in a box in this unit, right? Um, uh, very antiques things from, you know, that were my grandparents that I moved out. It's just to create space here. So anyway, I, as long story short, I won't drag you through the dramatics, but I can tell the hell out of the story when I have time. Um, <laughs> it, it, it ended up that we'll this, talk about later. We'll talk about well, later. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about yeah, later. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh-huh. do it later. But it ended up that the person had made a mistake and that they were actually referring to a unit close to mine, and my all my things were secure. But it was Oof. just a, it was such a bizarre thing for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But it was such a reminder of how much meaning some things have to me. I mean, these are things, a lot of them I haven't even really put my eyes on in Mm -hmm. a year, right? But Mm -hmm. they are so meaningful. Um, And and some of them are things, right? But mostly Mm -hmm. it's like these you know, clips from my first newspaper jobs, like my first one, mm. my first one, a story, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I was like, these are irreplaceable to me. So I think, you know, how do I, how do I make a decision about what to keep? It's really, I just think about like, what can I not imagine having access to? What can I not, what can I not imagine? Mm-hmm. Like not, you know, wanting to put my hands on and not being able to. Mhm. Mhm. So that's and you know I I but I it also changes over time. Like I used to be someone who would never get rid of a book. I mean, I have books from college, you know, I took a history of the South class with Barbara Fields. Like the, you know, when I think about these experiences that I've had, I'm like I might not ever pick up Robin Kelly's Hammer and Ho and read it, you know, cover to cover again, but like I need that book because it reminds me of being you know, it reminds me of like 1998, like coming into my like, you know, intellectual self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that has changed because I've, I've had to move. And some of those moves have been more hectic than others. And so I've had to make decisions about what do I feel comfortable? What is enough just to have the memory of the experience mm-hmm. versus what do mm-hmm. I need, like the actual artifact to be able to touch? Oh my goodness, you just said a whole bunch of things because um, <laughs> I would think, you know, because there's this kind of, um, it's like that, it's like the grounding and the balance. Like, I have a really hard relationship with storage facilities. <laughs> like, I just like, I have a real, like, um, personal, like, very hard relationship with storage facilities like how they popped up all over my like neighborhood in the bronx like mm. construction like what is it going to be like another storage unit and mm. this kind of feeling around like it's a time i've been really judgy of like why do you have those stuff in your storage unit you're not going to use it exactly. and then that other part is like there are things that are precious to you like and and how you have the balance like not even the balance it's fucked up that you don't have the space for your the things that are important to you, whether it and dep- it, you know, regardless, regardless of um, if I care about it or not, if it's important mm-hmm. to you that you have the space for it, and then that that's just not a reality for so many people. So that's tricky. And then I was thinking, oh my, when before I had kids too, there was like certain things that I thought I was like okay, that were important to me. And my partner, and we were moving to Mexico. And so we got a safety deposit box um, and we put like some things that we thought were important to us um, (laughs) in that safety deposit box. And um, it was in the build, one of the buildings, the safety deposit box. We We lived in lower Manhattan at the time and it was in one of the buildings that got destroyed during September 11th. And it was really interesting experience because all of a sudden those things weren't that important mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore. You mm-hmm. know, they were really, really important. But then all of a sudden they were like, oh, that's gone. That's really mm-hmm. interesting that that's gone. But before that happened, we had we had like decided to pick this place. We had decided to like pay whatever it cost for it to happen, to hold it there. And then that shifts. And I think that what you're speaking to is how as we grow and we change, like things really shift and also how... When you have a child, you got to make space for for their shit that's too. Right. <laughs> you got to make right. space for. And so I guess that's my next question for you is like since having a child, have the things are there different things that you want to hold on to? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
There are different things. I mean, you know, when she was younger, it's funny. I, w- I was really lucky because I had Isabel, I was 38 when I had her. And so I benefited from a lot of my friends had already had kids. So they would send their clothes on, you know, I didn't have to buy clothes really just really just now recently, I'm starting to have to buy clothes for her. But there were there were certain outfits that either, you know, were gifted to us from friends or some of them were bought new that were just really special to me. And so I went through that and I would go because, you know, I would also share the wealth. And so when she outgrew stuff, I would send them on mm-hmm, to my friends. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I'd go through those things. And sometimes I just there would be like a little onesie that I just needed to just hold and smell because it still smelled like her little baby detergent. And and I would just be like, this isn't going anywhere. Like mm-hmm. this one's not going anywhere. And it might not be the cutest thing to anybody else. But to me, it just had like a meaning because I would just remember like, oh, this is what she'd wear when she was eight months. Like I have to have something to remember her as that age. And you know, um, so you made me like a little, a little sad because I, <sighs> when you say that I'm such a, um, so early in my life, I like that thing happened at the World Trade Center. But even before that, when I was like, sis, I mean, maybe like 19, we got robbed at my my home. We got robbed and I was there. I came mm, home oh and there was a, a burglar, like a burglar in our house oh and I was no. by myself. Every, you know, I'm safe, which was the most important thing. But he took a lot of things that were like jewelry and things like that. And it was like, a, a, from that moment, I just had a disdain for things. Yes, like I just had this kind yeah. of like something happen around my safety, around like, it, but it just was this way of like, I don't know what, something turned in me in yeah. that moment. And, and and it hasn't, like it just, it I didn't, and I, I, so I'm just really quick to like throw things away. Mm. And as you were talking, I was remembering this pink sweater that my youngest Glory wore for maybe the first two years of her life, mm-hmm. I fucking love the sweater. <laughs> I think it was like it was like um, hand me down to like someone had given mm-hmm, it to us, mm-hmm. and she for whatever reason was like wearing six months clothes until she was two. Now she's like <laughs> huge, but she just never. I don't know. Like she was, I was always like, "You're so tiny." She just was like tiny for a long, long time. And this this little pink, I can see it right now. And it was like it's not like a like a pastelly pink. It was like a it's almost like a mod. Is that a color? Like a deep Love, pink? Yeah. yeah like mm-hmm. this kind of like, and I wish I had that. Yeah. And there's nothing to do with it. You know, like it's nothing. I wouldn't, I don't have any more chill. Like I wouldn't get, but this is idea of like, it does have meaning to me. Yeah. And there's a way that I, cause you can, like there's pictures of her in it, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as like what it feels yeah. like. You know, like the texture of that sweater. Yeah. Um, and I think like those are the artifacts that I'm. Yeah, you're like making me think of like how do I do that? Well, like, it's how hard do I to hold know, on? right? Because one of the mm-hmm. things that we've talked about before is like, okay, so another thing that I now want to hold on to now that I have a child is some of her creative output, right? Like her mm-hmm. artwork. But you have to make a decision because some of it is like every day, like so much stuff comes home from kindergarten and it's like, nah, like we're not keeping mm-hmm. every single piece of construction paper and everything that your friend made for you and you made blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I often will wait until she goes to sleep and kind of say like, oh, this is really sweet. Like I see some real progress and growth in her creative expression. This feels important to keep and put the date on and like make sure that. And then other things can go. And so I think maybe even though I'm not great at doing it for myself, it's kind of the same thing. Like, how do you discern, right? It's about discernment, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. that sweater is something that you wanted to keep, but not every article of clothing is something. And I'm not good at that. Like, that's why Mm -hmm. I'm not really good at making those distinctions and... Even though I've had some, honestly, gosh, the word trauma gets so overused recently, but I've had some like troubling experiences with moves that have happened, that have had to happen under pressure, right? Where I've had to rally my friends to kind of come and support a move that needs to happen really quickly. And I mean, just to be clear, I mean, 
you know, I think that that could happen for a lot of reasons, right? Eviction. Like I think it's so off. I mean, it's part of why it's important to have this conversation because I think it's true for our people. I think that's right. That move, like, I don't, I think that movement and the holding on, like, it's a privilege, (laughs) you know, like, it's a privilege to be able to archive. And it's something that, yeah, we haven't been able to do. Yeah. You don't get to, yeah. No, I think that I I appreciate that kind of broadening of the frame because I think that's right. I think whether it's like eviction or not feeling safe in where you live and having to get out, um, for me, it's been mostly about like most recently it was just like, whoa, okay, health, like family net matter that needs Mm -hmm. to be responded to. But it's also been like, okay, yeah, it's been a lot of different things, but it's one of the kind of unexpected positive things is I've had to decide in the moment. Like, I don't, you know, I've had to just make a quick decision. Like, is this important enough for me to put on an Amtrak and move it from Oakland to Cincinnati? Like, do Mm -hmm. I really need, am I willing to pay that money to do that? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it's about discernment and and I appreciate you using that word privilege. I think it is about when we have the privilege of time and money to, to, to keep, to, to save things, you know, to hold on to things. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think about the archiving around like what I want my children to know about me yeah, and what they, I want them to discover about themselves through like almost like the breadcrumbs, (laughs) you know what I mean? And like with my own parents, I often feel like there are not a lot of breadcrumbs. There are like, I can count the amount of pictures I have of my parents. Like I could like find, and definitely not from a time before they were, you know, adults. Like I have this one picture of my dad as a teenager and one picture of him as like, maybe he's like three or two in the picture. I don't even really know how old he is. And then like nothing, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. there, and there's no, so it's just, and there's a way of like, I, cause there's one, there's one thing for me to tell my story, which I think is really like important to like have record, like writings and the, this podcast, for example, in all different ways, our voices on the world, but there's ways in which how my parents didn't, I guess, how do I say this? Like it's the things they don't know about themselves that are revealed through like pictures mm. and the things that they hold precious that I'm really interested in right now in my life. You know, like I'm really interested in like how my mother entered menopause, you know, like I'm, you know, you know, like I'm really interested in like who her adult friends were and how they engage with each Mm -hmm. other. And like, I'm really interested in how she dressed. Like, you know, like I'm really interested in these things that maybe she couldn't tell me about. Because part of the story was you did a little song in it. And, like, the story is, like, you were crying because I think grandma was, like, stopping people from entering your party or something like that. That is correct. And then you were crying. And you said you kept thinking of the song, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. And it's, like, now it's just a little in-joke we have with my I have with my siblings. Okay, but sometimes great. we'll just That's be like... Great. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. And we don't know that song, so we just know it from you. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Okay. And so I often think about for my children, like there's one thing for me to tell them, you know, retrospectively, like back, like I remember when I was 20, this is what it, but it's a whole other thing to capture it at that time in that moment and yeah. the authenticity of like, cause it happens to me sometimes like, wait, did I say that? <laughs> you know, wow. did I wear that? Or you'll hear someone tell a story about you and like your mother did this and you'll be like, wait, what? I don't even remember that. And they're so, it's so significant. So I guess, um, my question is like, how are you leaving breadcrumbs for your child? Wow. Um, well, I mean, you know, I do, I look forward to a time when Isabel can read the book that I wrote and hopefully I'll write more books, right? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and like, even if they're not explicitly memoir, they'll have some element, they'll show like what I was curious about, what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a time when she's old enough to do that reading of you know, the work that I put out into the world and we can talk about it. 
you know, even just her saying, like, why did you want to write about that? Why did you want to write about, mm-hmm. you know, this particular topic? I think, you know, one of the, one thing that you just said that's, that really struck me was, like, you said something about talking to other people. Like, oh, you said when you hear somebody tell a story about you, how much you mm-hmm. learn, right? Mm-hmm. I think that is incredibly important. And it's not something that I've really thought a lot about. But I think letting her know, even like encouraging and and right now encouraging um, her to have conversations with my peers and my like, you know, about us, right? So I have friends who I've um, had since I was five, right? People who have known me since I was five, people who have known me since I was 18. Um, and I want to get into a part, we already do this, but now you've just given me a lens through which to like see it as being even more important than I realized mm-hmm. it was. But I want to, I want to, I want us to have conversations around Isabel about our, what our, how our friendships have been at different, at earlier moments in our, in our lives so that Mm -hmm. she can see Mm -hmm. what I was like as an 18 year old or as an eight year old. And that is really, it's actually something that I'm realizing that as a writer, you know, sometimes I will have to, it's useful to, if I'm trying to write about something that I've experienced it can be very useful to interview other people about that. Like, let me tell you about this memory that I have. I want to kind of match up my the way that I remember it to how you remember it. And then you learn so much about yourself, right? And I think that's something um, that I want to be, that I want to, even if she chooses not to be like a professional writer, or even if she doesn't like writing at all, I want to tell her that she always has the ability to ask other people about her about mm-hmm. you know to hear mm-hmm. sto- that storytelling is such a important you know means of like cultural transmission and like holding on to to memories and understanding yourself at different points in your life so mm-hmm. yeah i really i really like that one yeah i have like thank you for sharing I, like i i just could talk to you forever um <laughs> I'm, i can it's like so many like literally i thought of five other conversations <laughs> I want to have with you through this conference through this talk but something that's coming to mind for me right now is just this idea that and I just think like archiving or why to archive is around like it's another way to let my children know me and how important it is for me that they know me <laughs> you know like not just me as their mother or not me through someone else, but like my authentic self. And I'm hoping through archiving, whether like doing this podcast or what I choose to hold on to or the books that I write or my journals or any of those things that they get to discover that they get to to know me. Um, and so I guess my kind of last question for you is what do you hope your child discovers about you through the archive that you're creating. Mm, mm-hmm, mm. <sighs> well, <laughs> you know, like I had, I had Isabel when I was 38. And so I had a whole lot of adult life before she came along. And a lot of that adult life was, you know, I did a lot of things. I had a lot of fun. I went a lot of places. I worked a lot of different jobs. I had a lot of different, you know, romantic relationships and friendships and, I want her to know about me as a younger person um, because I think, I mean, I feel it in myself. It's like I have a lot of responsibilities, (laughs) you know, I have a lot that, um, that requires that I be a very responsible, level-headed person at all times. And that's fine. Like I, you know, it's one of the reasons that I'm glad I waited until, that, that age to, to have a, a child. Um, and there are times when I miss the kind of like frivolity and like ability to make mistakes and just mm-hmm. silliness. I mean, I'm still pretty silly, but like mm-hmm. the kind of just lightness, mm-hmm. what it meant to be me without so much to juggle and take care of. And I want, I would like for her to know more about me as that, as that person. I mean, I, you know, I, it kind of prompts a question that I have for you, which is like, 
What do you think is the balance between wanting your children to know you and maintaining a certain amount of privacy? Or do you like, is that something that you kind of hold alongside? Because I'm like, I'm such a good question. I would hand over my journals like to her and I probably will. I'll probably like will them to her. Right. And then I'm like, there's some wild there's some wild shit in there. Like, I don't, you know, where, where do I draw the line? Do you redact certain sections where it's like, (laughs) (laughs) this is way too grown and sexy for you. I don't care how old you are. You don't need to know about this. Well, um, as you were talking, the thing that kept coming to my mind was, um, parable of the talents. And like, I just kept thinking about like the, you know, the main character, Lauren, like, yeah. anyway, the mother, like the daughter learning and reading about her mother and getting to discover who her mother was through her own words. Right. And it's messy, you know, like it's messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's such a gift. It's such yeah. a fucking beautiful gift. I do not, I don't want anybody, I want my children to know me. All of me. Mm. Um, period. <laughs> you know, stop. And I don't, there's no redacting, you know, like it, and yeah. I, I think there is a way of like, it's funny, like I've, this is something I've talked about in some conversations already for like thinking about the season because it is definitely where I am. First of all, they get older, right? They, yeah. they that is it. They're, that's going to happen. And in that, they're having, they're going to have experience. They're going to be messy. They're yeah. going to have all these things. And there's such a gift we get to be in community with each other. We get to be in it together. But the way we get to be it together is through me being vulnerable. And yeah. my vulnerability looks like showing all of who I am. And that really, rec- they're going to love me regardless. That's the crazy part. There's really nothing. That's the right. more I, the more they know about me, the more I share about myself, the more is there's no surprises, you know, like there's no, they're like, yeah, that, that, that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> My mom. Yeah. And, 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 and no one could come and tell them different. You know, right. no one can say like, well, your mother used to do, they were like, mm, I don't know, you know, like maybe, but not, like, they really know. It's not to say that they're not discovering new things about me. I'm my, oh my god, this just happened. So my um, my son was out with some friends, and um, this is interesting because I don't think they ever listened to his podcast. Not my child, but like the friends. But anyway, Ooh. they you know almost stole something or the stealing things from a store came up, and my son was like mom, this happened. I don't know what to do. It's like, I'm just stressed out. These people was, and I was like, I stole band-aids from a supermarket when I was like 15 years old. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. he was like, what? I was (laughs) like, yeah. And I couldn't tell you why I did it. You know, maybe I thought it was cool. It was like during the TLC, there was this group and they used to wear band-aids. You know, I'm just telling him the story and he's like, wait, what? Like, you know, all these things. I don't, what? This is so confusing. And part of telling it is because it, first of all, it was relevant to his real lived experience at that moment. Yeah. And it was a moment I was like, oh, I want you to know all of me. Like, I was like, oh, shoot, I didn't tell you this. You don't know this. I didn't, even, I haven't even thought about this to tell you. And so, um, uh-huh. they're going to find out who you are because they already, like, I'm sure <laughs> your child knows when you're angry. That's right. When you're sad when you're in your feelings, when you didn't eat, like they, they are right. watching you in ways you can't even imagine. And the stories and the archives and the data is just like helping to make sense of it all. Um, and I think when I think about myself as a child, you know, like as someone's child, those are the parts that it's like, I want the material. Like I want I want the pictures and the mm-hmm. music and the story. Like all of a sudden I've been listening to Luther Vandross all the time. I'm like my mother used to love Luther Vandross and I hated it when she would just be playing Luther Vandross. All- but it's like those things, I wish I had that record right now. I wish I had my mom's Luther Vandross records. And um, so, yeah, maybe I'm not, <laughs> I'm like, I'm way, I'm way to the, like, whatever the extreme of things like that. Um, I tell them, I, there's nothing I wouldn't tell them. Yeah. There's no question they would ask, I wouldn't answer, and I offer things because they're my people. Like I'm in community with them, and I think that it's a gift for me to be able to 
I don't know, like tell, like, it's like valuing myself. Here are these people that really Ooh. value my story. Not like, you know what I mean? Not like, I love that. not like, not because it's like going to be some, like, it's a best selling book or because they follow. It's, they literally like, if no one else heard it, they care about what my favorite ice cream flavor That's was. Right. You know, they care about my sweet 16. <laughs> they care about all of those things. And it helps me give value to my life. Uh, so Oof. yeah, no, everything. That. No. And, and the bandaid is your bandaid to peel, peel, peel off. You know, it's just yeah. like, it's for you. It's for you. It's well, for you. that, and you've also made me think that this is yet another way that we can like break generational curses. Right. Or like stop, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like halt um, generational practices that may, might not be the most healthy. Like my, you know, if, if I don't feel like I was shared with, and, and, you know, if, if there was like a strict boundary held around like, you know, privacy or like mm-hmm. knowing the full person, that really gives me something to reflect on and then to change moving forward, like to change in my own relationship with my kids. So that, yeah, I really like that. That's you've given me as always yeah. a lot to <laughs> And I will <laughs> say like, on. one of my, like a cheat sheet thing that I do, like, or I, I think about it. And I just, I'm thinking about talking to you. It's just like, whatever I want for them, I want for myself. Mm -hmm. Whatever I expect from them, I expect for myself. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about privacy, how I want privacy to function for them, like, I want you to have your own space. I want you to mm. share what you feel comfortable sharing. I want you to know that your body is your body. Your like, your thoughts are your thoughts. Like you get to have all of the things. And I am open to all of the things that you want to me to be in community with you about. And so that's the way, like the same is true for me, right? Like, you know, I sometimes like knock when you come in my room. Like I, there's, you know, I need my space. That's right. I need, um, you know, but I, it, it's always, it's, I have to think about it. Like, what is this about? Is it because I'm shame? Why I don't want to share this with mm-hmm. you? Or is it because like, it's something I'm keeping to myself because I want that moment in it. And most and and that's the kind of that what I'm coming to around privacy is like privacy is something that happens in a moment. It's secrecy is something that happens over time. You know, Ooh, secrecy uh-huh. like privacy is like right now I need but over time I will reveal this to you. You'll know what's in the room. <laughs> you know like you'll but I might not be ready to share with you in this moment. And that's privacy. And everyone gets everyone should have that and I get to have it too and they get to have it too. But no, I want him. I want him to know all of me. Yeah. <laughs> to know all of me, because I and you see exactly what you're saying. Like generationally, how we don't know our parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I have so many girlfriends now who are just getting to know their parents. Sometimes post mortem, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes after they've passed, building like relationship. And I don't. I mean, yeah, I think we can do better. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think we can do better. I think we can do better. Well, I mean, and it's just making me think about like, we, we've been talking mostly about archiving things that have some kind of positive, right? Preciousness, mm-hmm. right? We started mm-hmm. with like this conversation around what is precious, but like, what is also the value in archiving what's hard? Yes. You know? Because yes. I think that that might be like part of why our elders would, you know, would explain mm-hmm. to us or how they would explain to us why they don't have those pictures or they don't, they didn't mm-hmm. keep that mm-hmm. thing or, cause it's like, mm-hmm. I was trying to move forward. I was trying to move forward. It was, I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to bring all that into the present and the gift of forgetting. Yeah. The gift of forgetting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. really opens up like a whole line of inquiry for me around like, yeah, how do we even archive what's hard? You know, how do we even, what is our responsibility to our children to also like, Hold we're on gonna get real heady here, and then we're gonna have to stop. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> we're gonna get yeah, real yeah, heady yeah, here I know, I know, because part of it is like, and that's the thing about generation and owning the privilege is like, well, what do you have the capacity for? Yeah, and so having grace for our elders, for our ancestors, and that they did not have the tools or the the ability to hold on to things that were painful and still move forward, right? Like yeah. what you're talking about how many people had to leave my my mother's story of how she and like came to the US she was supposed to come to the US my, her mother was already here and her and her siblings were supposed to come to the US and planning to come like let's say they were supposed to come in June 
and an incident happened with her brother and they had to get out of Dodge and left in December. And she heard about it the morning and got on a plane. Mm-hmm. So left her friends, let, like did not know anything, could not take anything, you know, like mm-hmm. it was very abrupt. And a lot of our, because of the shit, you know, that is it, what it is to be oppressed people have those stories. And so I think, you know, having grace for them, but that's not, that, that is, that is, that might not be your story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like how mm-hmm. do you, and, and recognizing those places of like, but how do we have the capacity or recognizing that you have the capacity for more mm-hmm. to share the hardness, to heal the shames, because those, the lessons that our young, our children then get to like, they just get, they get a head start, yeah, <laughs> you know, like they get, yeah. a, they get more advantage of like, oh, I know the hard shit and the, like, I know all of the shit and I can make, and honestly, what we, it's not because nothing is all good or all bad, right? Because in those hard, painful th- truths, there's a lot of really fucking juicy shit, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like there's the love story in there. It's the, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, it's the romance, it's the the strength it's like there's so much other things because when you when you throw away that you don't just throw away you throw away the stuff that was precious to you because it kind of all goes in one bag together and gets That's right. um and so i want to say thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you so much um i hope that i get i mean i know i'll get to talk to you again but even on the podcast this has been so rich um is there anything else you want to share well, I don't know if you were, you know, if you prefer not to mention this, but I just have to say, you know, this is our second time having this conversation about mm-hmm. <clears throat> archiving because, you know, we we had it earlier and then had some technical difficulties. And and what is interesting to me is like how deep we got. Like we just <laughs> you know, it's just like we had the first the first conversation which was about like it wasn't about, but it touched on like Instagram, social media, uh-huh. like, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh-huh. And then it's so interesting when you, the longer you talk about this issue, just getting to the core of like, really, what are we trying to do when we archive? And so Mm -hmm. I just appreciate, um, I mean, we've already, you know, said this, but just, I I just appreciate your willingness to have these conversations and and really just peel back the layers as far as we can, as far as we can go together. It's been a real... It's been a real, um, a real gift to me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Raising Rebels is produced by Queer Media, a family production company specializing in audio and visual art through a black queer lens. This episode was edited by Randy Chapman at Wordy Productions. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Raising Rebels Pod or email us at RaisingRebels at QueerMedia.co. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.